nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun path, real field edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have. Hello, sailor. My name is Paul Carmichael. <laughs> Is it indeed? Oh, it well, hello, Sailor. Hello, Sailor. sailor. Yeah, I'll right. tell you what's a cracking song. Beach Boys, Sail on Sailor. <laughs> is it? I don't know oh, that why? one. You never I've been watching one. a bit of Hello Cheeky, though. That's dreadful. I know, yeah. Why are you watching that? I don't know. I, I thought, because... I, you know why? Because I heard an episode of the radio version on Radio 4 Extra. Mm. And it's like, you can hear the Baz's smoking and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, lovely. Get this on telly. That's good. It's awful on telly. It's amazing. I remember you buying it and you just said to me, this is the most, this is just shit. Right. Now, here's the thing, though, because what I've done recently is I've realised I've bought a lot of stuff over the past 20 years where I've gone, don't want this after all. And it's gone on the shelf. Yeah. However, I think it's just been waiting for me to get to the point where I can appreciate it. Mate, absolutely correct. I mean, the last week, just the last week. So Mm. thanks to Apple Music. Um, they kind of play you songs. I mean, it's shit when you first have a go at it because you, you're playing it out, right, download that album, I'll listen to that. Right. And then at the end, I was going through a Stone Roses phase in the summer, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, and then it was suggesting Oasis and shit like that, and you're like, off, mm. absolute dreck. Hate well, and do you have to pay for this? Well, it's a nominal fee, dear. I don't understand how it works. You can't hold it then, though, can you? Well, it depends what you're listening to, Gavin. Well, it does, doesn't uh, it? Yeah, you can always hold it. I mean, you can. Uh, um, no, but that, that physical I thing, know what you, you mean. haven't got and, it then. Cause you've and got, this I... leads me... Ah, ah, ah. Oh, but ah. No, can I just no, ask? No, no, no. no, no. It's a dinner Are iTunes the people who were charging you and you didn't know why in your bank account? Is that who it was? Because we might have No, that was Audible. Oh, I thought we'd unwound the mystery. Yeah, no, you download a free audio, but it's like someone that would have been on That's Life years ago, you know. Yeah. And we've got a curious case, you know, um, of Audible. Mm. And we'd go, we'd, anyway, um, what were we on about? Oh, I. So, anyway, no, no, this leads to holding stuff. Check it oh, out. Right, okay. Apple Music, Oasis, da, da, da. then the algorithm learns who you are. The algorithm, I presume it's named after it. Absolutely, I would imagine. Yeah, uh, an, an inconvenient truth. Mm. Um, oh, I so it started playing me stuff I liked, and then one of them I was like, "Who's this?" Kevin Ers. That makes sense because I've always known I'd like Kevin Ers, but I don't know. There's certain artists, and this is a great thing, especially with music, isn't it? Mm. You kind of clock an artist, and you like there's some of there I like, but. Not just now. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not ready mean? for you yet, but I'll get back to you when I am. And so there was a Kevin Ur's song popped up. Um, I think it's uh, Shouting in a Bucket Blues, it's called. Right. So I listened to that. And then the next thing, I was like, oh, what's the album it's off? Let's have a listen to that banana more. And it was mm. like, that's great. And then again, Apple's throwing shit up. And um, one uh, the next thing, it was uh, Song for Insane Times. Right. And it was just like, what is this? Yeah. This is like Kevin Ur's book, Click, Everything in Life, wh- whatever it is that those, what do they call it? Con- concatenation of circumstances or something? Yeah. Yeah. And I put the album on from that joy of a toy and it was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. This is just, every track is just spot on. 
So Are you I'm regarding the dog? Is he no, chewing the, stuff up again? He's doing stuff, but I don't know what he's doing. Oh, it's freaking me out now. This well, if animal. you need to go and stop him eating the uh, Aspidistra, just, just let me know. Uh, just check it a moment. Just when you can hear that sound and you never know. I mean, it could be nothing or it could be that he's eating, you know, my yeah. 1983 VHS of Revenge of the Cybermen. You can never well, be sure. Well, like the V1, it's when they go quiet you've got to worry. This is the issue, which he's now done. But nevertheless, no, so I assumed, you see, that maybe with Hello Cheeky, because I did, I bought it years ago, ten years ago, maybe. And I thought, maybe now I'm <laughs> ready for it. Come. I'm not. I'm still not ready for it. <laughs> the, it's, ju- it's still dreadful, so no. Yes. No, whereas Joy of a Tie by Kevin Ayers is just wow. Mm. So, I've now... Went, I thought, I hoped it'd be here. I did a Discogs, bought a copy. I've got Lovely. vinyl. Now, not the original, because the original's just like, how many? You All know right. what I mean? 1969, yes. so it's... So apparently Kevin Ayers had given up songwriting right. uh, mid sixty. I mean, Kevin Ayers, I think I'm right in saying... Anyway, he was brought up sort of in the colonies. Yeah. You know, I think his family were like diplomats, somewhat like that. Anyway. Yeah, sure. So he spent, so all he wanted to do, Kevin Ers, from what I can ascertain, is lie on a beach and get drunk. Mm. But there's sort of something about that laconic attitude that comes through his music. It's not that he doesn't want you, anyone to li- listen to it and dig it, but there's, a, there's an air of, well, I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Here's what I do. And it's it's sort of got, it's, it's the most vibey album uh, I've heard since the last album. I said this is the most vibey album I've heard. But it's got that thing about it. And his, his lyrics describe the mundane and the everyday, but it's it's Barockian the way he does it. His, his wordplay is beautiful. Honestly, mate, I, I really... I don't know if you're ready for Kevin Ayers yet. Because, I mean, I, I know the clip of him doing May I with the whole, white, with the whole world, mm. which was his band in 72, I think, anyway. And they do May I, the track. Yeah. Um, and that's got Mike Oldfield on bass and um, uh, Ollie, um, not Ollie Halsall, bloody hell, I can't remember his name at the minute, um, on uh, soprano sax. Yeah. Uh, Lol Coxhill. Long oh, Coxhill, okay. who's kind of like in one of them robes you were. Oh, a Demis Roussos number. A Demis but with a big soprano sax, and it's just like, oh, man. Oh, that's beautiful. It, it, the song is beautiful, and the whistle test performance is beautiful. Anyway, so Kevin Ayers, his time has come. And I can't I, recommend that Joy of a Toy. I, I, I may well do that. Now, uh, two things, though, immediately. First of all, don't worry about the dog. It just turns out that he's uh, eaten an ornamental lamp that I bought for the garden. So that's that's in pieces. That's fine. You know, we can cope with that. However... Well, yeah, I, look, my, if you can see over my shoulder here... Yeah. Over the right shoulder, you'll see the disjecta membra of my old bathroom. Oh, yes, I can. So, so, so you've got Stanley chewing lamps up. And over here, you've got the bog roll mountain. Oh, good Which God. built up during COVID, and uh, no, I didn't really. Um, <laughs> Will Wilco was selling them cheap. It's another mention for Wilco. Oh, First of go. the week. If First only the they week. weren't closing, they could actually be paying us for advertising the number of times that we mentioned them, couldn't yeah, they? Yeah, like, like I pointed out last week, uh, mm. not very successful that. And also, as I pointed out last week, and I want to ask you of your opinion on your um, new acquisition this week. Yeah. Uh, well, one of them. I'm certain there are many. Um but Foxtrot Genesis, um, you asked me, ah, beautiful. Now you asked then. me last week, was uh, Collins involved? Yeah, and that's I thought right. You were talking about the drumming, and I said, 
oh yeah, that's when he re- that's when Genesis really hit the stride. Um, yeah. You were referring to Collins um, front and center on lead vocal. That's right. Yeah, I was. No. I was. Yeah. No. No. I, when he when he started being the drummer because they didn't have a drummer. Yeah, uh, they are on the Collins. Bottom. There yeah. they are. Um, so when he joins and he's drumming and doing backing, they really mm. do it the stride. In fairness, the early Collins albums are all right, but I won't have them in the house, Gav, now. No, no, that's fair enough. No. Well, this is the thing, you see, when I was saying about not being ready for things yet and then suddenly going, oh, no, now maybe is the time. Mm. So, for example, about three years ago, all of a sudden I thought, now is the right time to own a Dire Straits album. No, that one will never arrive. I wasn't expecting it. And you liked it? You got one and liked it? I certainly got one. Okay, which one? The one that everyone knows? Or is it Brothers in Arms with the blue? With the guitar on the front, in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it's in the sky. Because it's the 80s. Oh, okay. And it seemed like a really good idea at the Probably meeting. would have done, yeah. So, but I no, I'm not ready for them. But now they're in the LP section, and you know they're they're waiting just in case one day I go, oh, I am ready for the bigger car boot sale fodder. But however, it does all seem now that at this ripe old age, I am ready for Genesis, and this, mm. thank you. You're welcome. Oh, this is it- lovely. It's like when uh, Bill Brufford left Yes and joined King Crimson oh. and uh, Bob Fripp said to him, I think you're about ready now, Bill. Y- yeah. Now then, for those of you on, on watching us on YouTube, there's the back cover. Look at mm. that. It's glorious. Oh, there's... there's, And I, it's just it's just magnificent. And the whole album, Virgin, of course, it's a Virgin publication. God, it, it, Virgin... Virgin that, just must have been the most amazing place to be in no, like no, 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 that's, that's no, that's a misnomer. It's a oh. reissue, that, from the 80s by Virgin, but if you look to the left of Virgin, you'll see its initial label. Oh, Charisma. Charisma. Um, of course. Sir Henry at Rawlinson End, uh, yep. Monty Python Live at Theatre Royal Drury Lane, um, Van de Graaff Jenner. I mean, mm. <clears throat> the guy who ran it... You've got to, and, and I still, th- I tell you what, I'd love to see a one-man show, mm. right? You could play him. Mm. Uh, the 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 charisma man, Tony Stratton-Smith. Strat, as everyone oh. knew him. Now, he was a, his description of himself was buccaneer and gentleman adventurer. See, that's magnificent, isn't now, it? Now, when people didn't have money for stuff, if they knew him, obviously, but, I mean, if they didn't have money for stuff, such as Viv with Sir Henry or with Python, with the live stuff, or they went and saw Strat, and he put them out on Charisma. And so, the yeah, it, I, I think he's a very interesting character. So it was a Charisma um, yeah. label. I yeah. mean, Strat died, I think, in 79, 80, at like 48 or something. Do you know what I mean? He was... Right. He lived. And if you see a picture of him, there's a picture I got in mind of him, and he's in the full bifter... Mm. Riding crop jumpers, sat in a big armchair, huge brandy, just like a lord, and that's how he considered himself, just like gentleman and adventurer. I don't know if I've seen that photo, or if I just felt very, very at home in the description. Mm. Oh yeah, you—that's what I mean. If you played Strat, oh, it'd be, it'd be absolutely boss. No, that'd do. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, you could. We oh. just need to like put a year aside to write and develop the show. Hmm. Uh. Uh, there is that, I suppose. Anyway, yes, this album, 
um, Foxtrot. Side A, lovely, but side B, oh, Supper's just this ready. journey, isn't it? It's a yeah. journey. And, the, well, there's another thing that actually I've watched today, which I think is very similar, which we'll discuss in a bit. Um, but the whole thing feels so of its time. It feels of the time of the early 70s. It feels of that time of the age of Aquarius, of the Wicker Man, of the Tomorrow People, of all those. It's that whole sort of like, it comes together, doesn't it? But it starts um, with those two mundane lines that seem to to completely and utterly set the scene. Walking across the sitting room, I turn the television off. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, for the journey you're going on, it's such off a humble go. origin. It's beautiful. But for isn't some it? reason, he frames it perfectly in those two lines, Gabriel. Because it's the it's the one mundane thing everybody is guilty of doing, and everybody could do. And if you just do it, God knows where you'd go. You know, it's it's just it's it's so simple, but it's so perfect because it relates to every single person in the world. And did That's, you see that seventies room of me Auntie Pam's with the sunken floor and the car? Yeah, that? That's exactly what I see. That's it. Oh, it's that, isn't it? But it's also it's the folk horror feeling. Yeah. That runs through it as well, doesn't it? It feels like, it feels like this could be the background for an Alan Garner short. It's oh. uh, it's got that there as well. It's just transportative. Really. Yeah, it's. I'm so pleased you liked it when you I, when you bought the first album. I thought, oh, you think you're about ready for this now? Oh, I mean, the first album, you know, RSB Benton. One yeah. of those times where it just turns up in the post and you go, did I order this? Okay, let's see what happens. I don't remember asking for a new bathroom, but here we are. <laughs> RSP Benson. There you go. Um, but no, no, and, and it turns up and you go, good God, this is actually really, really good stuff. It's yeah. for me with that with the music of that time and the, the film the film that I love most in the world, which is called Melody. Have we talked about that? Yeah, film? yeah, yeah. Mark. Yeah. What's his uh, name? Uh, Jack Wilde Lester. and Mark Lester. Yeah. So the artful Dodger and Oliver, but you know, in this film directed by Warris Hussein, mm. and it's just a snapshot of London in 1970. It's the colours and the sounds. There's no dubbing. There was no budget, so you actually hear London, not with mm. sort of like a recorded soundtrack of what it should yeah. sound like. One of them films where you can tell, oh, this was a Wednesday afternoon, or precisely, or whatever. Exactly, and there's bits where you can tell they didn't have permission to film this in Trafalgar Square, so just set the camera up, run around, lads. That's sort of, with Warris Hussein directing it. But what I love is you've got the Bee Gees soundtrack, and it's early Bee Gees before they go all you know Travoltery and all that. Sort yeah, of thing. American. Precisely. It's, it's, and the similarity with Foxtrot and the swooping uh, strings, when the strings come in on these songs, that just takes you off somewhere. That's That's like a big, whoa, there's a bridge between here and North Wales. I don't know whereabouts it is, but we always used to take it and my dad would always speed up a bit. And one of those bridges, which gives you the feeling of, whoa, when you go over the top of it. It's probably Anglesey, isn't it? It's it's heading to North Wales, so it's probably near Chester or something. Oh, to North, there. okay. That that sort of direction. The the strings when they kick in there in Foxtrot, and when they kick in on a song like Melody Fur, it does the same feeling as going over that bridge. It's like a woof. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, the majority of sounds like that will be Tony Banks because mm. he was so into his synths. I mean. Um, 
I got a piece of software years ago. Some mad German had collected all the Mellotron. Because you know how a Mellotron works, don't you? It's, so it's got a metal frame inside. Right. Right. And on that, it, within that are four lots. Because it only has four sounds, a Mellotron. They weigh a ton. These are cast iron, these bloody things, right? Yeah. So it's got a big frame with four subframes within it. And each of those subframes to the corresponding two octaves has got not a tape loop. I've been corrected by Andy Thompson on this. Go on. It's a 12-second piece of tape that plays through and then stops. Doesn't loop. So you know when a, with a Mellotron, have you ever noticed it goes like... On the sound of the old it too, that's because the tape's running out. Oh, okay. So anyway, so each of those keys plays a, twel- a, a max of 12 seconds of tape. Right? right. That's how a Mellotron works. So what you've actually got is when you've got the flutes at the beginning of Strawberry Fields, all the strings on a Genesis record, it's generally a guy in the 1950s or 60s who sat with a violin or a flute, right? Give us an A, right? B, right? That's how they did it. They're not uh, tonally accurate, so don't write in. Um, So every time you play it, you get the note, obviously. But because we're so far from that now... So this piece of software I got, the M-Tron, this mad German had collected all these frames together, owned all the trons, and sampled all the notes in a sort of weird symmetry with the original origin of the sounds. Yeah. He did that. He might, Anyway, so you had every Mellotron in the world on, in mm. software without humping a Mark One, a Mark Two, a Mark Three, a Mark Four around, and all, a warehouse full of frames. Um, but because we're so far from when the guy actually sat down, our lady, and played the instrument... It's like playing the sound of ghosts now. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because you're actually physically playing the organic recording of the person. Um, And so that's why the Mellotron's got such an unearthly sound to it, because it's it's an analog emulation of uh, human creativity, you know? Um, Even the name, the Mellotron, it sounds like something from an early 60s sci-fi, something that makes you sad when it's projected at you. yeah. Yeah. Did you? I put a little thing on our Twitter feed uh, earlier at Nice Things Show. Obviously, we only need twelve people, and we've got to a thousand, dear. But um, wow. and you've probably seen them. But it's the um, Bernard and Francois Bachet, and they created the um, the Crystal Bachet, and that's the okay. the thing where you play the you know glass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's loads of those French glass instruments. There's a video oh, on yeah. YouTube of them. Yeah, it's amazing. There's one with water, isn't there? Well, that's it, but you use water in all of them because it is literally like doing, you know, the finger around the top of the wine glass. But um, Bernard and Francois uh, Bachet, the people who developed the original instrument, it's called the Crystal Bachet, right? And it's 56 different rods on each (laughs) of them, which are, like, chromatically tuned. So you've got 56 rods in front of you, and then these two little finger bowls of water, like you get in in a restaurant, you know? And they're literally they're just dipping their hands constantly and sliding their fingers up and down these glass tubes to create this sound. Picture box, the theme from that's, Picture Box. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just that's one of those. That. You know, yeah. it's just. But I love that thing with contemporaneous instruments because that, the same as the Mellotron, totally neat. We didn't don't need those. Totally pointless having those. Absolutely. And that's yeah. why. Yeah. They are so beautiful. Oh, the beauty transcends the utility. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean. Your your description of the manufacture of them, that involves industry. That involves engineers. Which I know. love. 
and that's that whole Bauhausian thing, isn't it? Of sort of the meshing of utility and art. That's that's precisely it. So it's not that you just like sit at a computer and somebody's done the job for you. One of those things. You need an you need industry. You're right. Fifty six glass tubes. My God, if you're transporting those about the world, they're not going to last forever. I'm just I just I, 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 in my head I see private shulls. You know <laughs> when the when the forging thing. Yes. Like, I, I just yeah. see that the. the you know that will that will have been quite a bumpy road getting them bloody things right. I can imagine. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Woo, no, this one's no good. Smash. Off it goes. Yeah. You know. But um, uh, yeah, I love that. Just unnecessary, right. but wonderful. A well, bit like what's the bloody thing called? I've forgotten now. The instrument where you know you're basically playing the air. Oh, the uh, the theremin. Theremin. Yeah. I've yeah. got a wonderful record by a woman called Carolina Eek playing the theremin and she plays uh, I'd Debussy. have that for the name just for the name oh, you know is Debussy. it not she plays Debussy on the theremin with the an orchestral background bit, I find the theremin I, I love the sound of it like on Good Vibrations the Beach Boys or yeah. it's used quite subtly though but I always find that um, it's just a little bit intense for me you know what I mean it's like a very but I, I suppose if it's played softly as it's played on good vibrations. Then. That's it, yeah. But it's and like if it's Debussy, that, you're not going to... Yeah, you're not going to do that going with Debussy, on. are you? You're going to stroke no, no, his house. Yes. <laughs> the Mellotron. <laughs> so, I mean, yes. um, the Mellotron, people took it so seriously. The guy out of the Moody Blues went and worked in the factory to get his sound <laughs> with the Tron. That's brilliant. He went and worked in the Mellotron factory, which I think was somewhere in the Midlands or something like that. That's even bad. Good. Absolutely. ATV land, where it should come from. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, I and um, Rick, uh, Rick Waitman told me a story about uh, they were playing out in France in yeah. Yes, I don't know, early 70s. And he, they get set up and he plugged the gear in. And because they've got a different voltage over in Europe, oh, yeah, the yeah. Mellotron, when you played, it was half a tone out. Oh. Yeah, because the tape wouldn't play as quickly. Yeah. There wasn't enough lacking. So, on the fly, right, yes music, on the fly with no rehearsal gig, he played the whole set half a tone down on the whole, on the Mellotron. That's not easy. I was like that with my mouth open as he told me that. He oh. transposed the whole thing down half a tone or Good up God. half a tone, whichever it was. What? Ah, oh, no, come on, Rick. You're just showing off now. That's that's very impressive. It's stunning. The, the guy doesn't use sheet music. Mm. They go up and play for three. I mean, that's the reason why he's Rick Waitman, isn't it? Because he he wasn't just classically trained. He could jam as well. And that, yeah. that's and I've played with classical players, and it's like no dots. No, I can't do anything, mate. No, abso- absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So Genesis, uh, Foxtrot, and Supper's Ready. Is a thumbs up from Mr. C. It's a bit, a very big thumbs up from me. I absolutely, I adore that album. Well, there was method to the madness, so not only was I wanting to, um, I, I like doing that, don't you? How you were introduced to stuff to introduce other people to it. It's just oh God, part, yeah. part of the, the journey that the, because you might get someone else into it and then, you know. In hundred years, that chain may still be evolving. That's the no, whole absolutely. Anyway. I love that sort of thing. Yeah. So there, there wasn't just the sort of altruistic angle to your yeah. gift. Um, you've got to buy two albums now because you've got a gap. I have, <laughs> and you know that I will have to. Fill I know, that gap. yeah. 
But but they're joyous. I mean, nursery crime I listened to before Foxtrot. My mate, uh, we used to all live in this madhouse, right, opposite yeah. the park. And when I say a madhouse, it was the house on Nightmare Park. A Victorian house, uh-huh. right, but a detached one. And it was huge and rambling. So, um, because we were 16, like, but house needs looking after there. Do you fancy it? Yes. Oh, yes. 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 So we sat the loft up uh, with a PA and a drum kit. And we used to do gigs in there and everything. It, it was a, it was a nut house, I'll be honest. There was a night where we'd... Uh, yeah, well, it, we, we were young, dear. We'd taken well, yes, some acid. I see. We'd taken some acid. And uh, one guy just flipped out on it. And the next thing, this huge, heavy, ornamental stone bird bath that had been in the front garden since, I don't know, 1882, just came sailing through the window. It was just like, wow! I mean, there you are watching the word. With a gigantic plate glass window went through with this huge... How the hell he picked it up is beyond me. That's amazing. But anyway, his uh, dad, because he'd worked in Saudi for 10 years, had a giant ch- uh, like wooden chest. Yeah. Of Have you ever seen those Saudi bootleg tapes? Because there's no record. Well, there might be now. But there used to be no sort of Warners and Sony and blah, blah, blah. But they, nevertheless, would release all the Beatles, everything album, every band. They'd put them out and they'd look official and they'd be like proper cassettes. But they were on like, one of them was a label called 747 Rock. Um, and so this album was, uh, you got two albums on each cassette, hmm. proper covers and whatnot. And uh, this one was Nursery Crime and Duke, which is a bloody, you know, Collins era Genesis. We don't talk about that. No, no, no. Um, and Nursery Crime was the first album. So we used to sit there and, and I used to just rifle through this gigantic wooden chest of treasure. Yeah. Oh, Genesis. Yeah, I know. Then put the tape on. Wow. Mm. So Nursery Crime is a fantastic album. Right. You're okay. going to really enjoy it. I would go for that one next. But Trespass is good as well. Mm. You know. I will go Nursery Crime then, I think. Yes. Yeah, Nursery Crime for you. Right. <clears throat> um, but yeah, yeah. That's where I found a lot of stuff because mm. of that chest. What nice things, aside from your gift... <clears throat> Do you have for us this week? Uh, well, I only have one other uh, nice thing that arrived, uh, okay. but it is a very nice thing. So this is right back to, oh, when would this have been? About 83 or something? I would have been eight, I think. Okay. It would have been around then. Let's see if there's a copyright. Uh, no, no barcode, <laughs> no copyright, nothing. I like a no barcode, though. Yeah. Oh, on the record, 83, I was quite right. There we go. So, um, 83. Now then, so of course, what, like we've talked about previously, what I really love and miss about old telly is the fact that the news wasn't a thing, particularly, was it? So, the news was something which would be on for 15 minutes early evening. You get the 9 o'clock news, which was all proper and growing up, uh, or the 10 o'clock news, if you, you know, over there. Gave me anxiety when the tea time news increased from 15 minutes to half an hour. I thought the world had got much worse. Well, exactly, because all of a sudden they're just talking about more stuff, which we don't really need to know about. I mean, I think news round is optimal. I think oh, that's pl- I think that's plenty, and the that framing was enough. is just good I, for me. 
I mean, they covered everything. I remember when the Challenger disaster happened, the news broke on Newsround. They were going out live and suddenly they carried the news, you know. Yeah, that I sort of thing. That. And I think that rolling news, no, I don't like it. So, you'll be proud of this. This week, I haven't watched the news once. Good Not lad. once, right? And I have removed the uh, news app from my phone. So I'm no longer getting breaking news. Because, of course, it used to arrive with a little sting of the BBC music, like, bum, 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 bum. And you, oh! So I've got to look at the phone. But gone. And do you know what? Yeah. I, I've realised that I think the main thing is just we should all stay in our lanes. We're getting very, very anxious about, far, about things that we could have nothing to do with us. Agreed. They don't Agreed. have anything to do with us. We can't do anything about them. Unless ultimately we want to cause shit, so I've just. If you want to change the world, stand for your local council. Start the. There you go. Do you know what I mean? Start with. I mean, you you know, it's that old saying, isn't it? If your fence is falling down, then it's no help to your neighbour. Precisely. You know. Yeah. You know, in in what twelve? No, in about twenty days, I shall be, I shall be donning my uh, outfit and taking on the role of Saint Martin again for the local village. Do that. That's what you should be doing. That sort of local thing. That's proper. That's what you do. That's doing it right. Yeah, not you getting know. all angsty about things you can't have anything well, to do I with. Well, I come so. to the conclusion a couple of years back that half the people, certainly half the people I know, mm. are uh, driving themselves mad with the telly and the newspapers, yeah. and the other half are doing it with the internet. Yeah. So I decided I was just going to, you know what I mean, why don't I just, you know, get my bathroom done and... Yeah. You know, make sure I am of, of use to society. Absolutely. Not play, basically. So no. I, I decided I'm not going to play. But it did remind me that, of course, telly used to do that, didn't it? It used to be, you get the news at, I think it would be at like 10 to 6 until 5 past 6 on BBC One. Okay, Something so they like did it slightly differently. Oh, yes, absolutely. But it was only a 15-minuter. And, you know, it, it always takes me back to the days that we've talked about before, I know. You know, in, was it the 1940s when nothing had happened one day? And that's what they said on the news, you know. And uh, now for the evening news, nothing newsworthy has happened today. So instead, here's some music. Oh, man, I, I don't, I've never heard about that. Have you not? That no, that lovely. actually happened on the BBC oh, one day. Literally, um, whoever it was presenting just said, uh, now the news, but there's been nothing newsworthy today. So instead, it's over to... And they just played you a little light band music for 10 minutes instead. That'd be lovely. So, that would be lovely. But of course, we used to get the five-minute cartoons as well. Will of the Wisp, Magic Round, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I thought they went at five to five, to be honest. At six, five to six. I, I... thought you had like a Blue Peter or something shite. Because if you, if you um, timed it right, mm. you could finish watching whatever was on ITV. I suppose it'd be the, five, four, uh, the news at 5.45 with Leonard Parkin. So you'd have to sit through that because, mm. you know... I mean, Anne wanted to watch it. Yeah. But if you timed it right, just as he sort of, you know, shuffled his papers together before he said, have a lovely night or whatever, if you flicked over, you got an Ivor the engine or whatever at 5.55. I'm quite certain that was the time slot. Well, it may have been that the news went a bit earlier and then we got that because... No, my memory isn't that. My memory's kids telly. Right. And then at 5.25, the rubbish half hour with Blue Peter or whatever was on. And then at 5.55... No, no, no. no. Blue Peter's never been on at 5.25. I won't what have this. What time was that? What time? Catholic oh. revisionism. I won't have Hang it. Hang on then. 
As if Guy Fawkes wasn't bad enough. Oh, I'm not are, having Biddy Paxman's name dragged through the mud. Go on. Bloody Catesby. <laughs> um, all right, was it five past five till 5.25 then? It was sometimes ten to five, sometimes five past. Usually it was five past or ten past five. It's Hang on, no, let's, cle- let's clear this up once and for all. Well, right? let's. All right, let's start. At, Putting that down it, for it's, a minute. Uh, let's do it proper. Let's begin at the beginning. All right. right. Four o'clock, am I right, is the kickoff? No. 3.55? No. About... No, not for Blue Peter, the whole thing. Yeah, for the whole thing, about 3.50, and you start with a repeat of that morning's play score. Okay, right, okay. So that's how it kicks off. Yeah. Right, so... So three fifty-five, three fifty, thereabouts. Well, okay. Pick one. I wanna. I three fifty. Right. Till what? Five past four. It was twenty-five minutes. Quarter past. All right. Quarter past. <sighs> what? What then? Well, probably you'd normally get a Jack and Ori then, wouldn't you? Ah, good. Right. That's where that fits. Yeah, you get your Jack and Ori about quarter past four till half past, and then you'd get your twenty-five minutes of. Animal magic or something like think that. Think of a that number t- or... Think like of a number or that... What, what was the one he did about general knowledge? I preferred that. I didn't like Johnny Ball doing maths. I've, I can't anyway, remember. That will go from half past till about five to five. To five. Okay. John Craven's news round, eight minutes. I'd forgot that, yeah. Blue Peter, live, five past five. Takes you to 5.30, five-minute cartoon, news. No. Yeah, you, it is. You're right. It until actually, half no, five. No, Don't absolutely no, five, five thirty-five. That's why when they brought no. neighbours in, and no, wait a minute, no. they brought neighbours in in 1986, and there was a big kerfuffle. We're going to have to move the news, and that's where they moved the news to six o'clock. All right, calm down. I am calm. Calm down. You'll have that red dot if you're not careful. Uh, stigmata. Yes. No. I, I respectfully disagree. Because I know that at R5, right, and this was a Friday, however, it had an equivalent throughout the year. Might be before your time, mate. Mm. Half 5 on a Friday, one year, was a thing called Fax, F-A-X, with Billy Butler, Debbie Greenwood, and someone else. And that's what lived in the slot that the rest of the year was summer else, I can't remember. And it's 5.55, that's when you got your eye for the engine or whatever. Will you get the Flintstones or something? There you go. That's what happened at R five. The cartoon didn't come at R five. It didn't come at five to five, five to six. It didn't. Oh, it did. It right. Give me right, a date. Sorry. All right then. Seventh of January. Yeah. Nineteen eighty four. BBC One. Yeah. Seventh Jan. February. Nineteen eighty four. Right. Well, you got a thing, though, where you can have a look at the list. Yes, I have. Yes, I actually have. Right, here we go. Oh, that's evenings. We don't want evenings. Two Ronnies was on. Uh, Okay. Oh, are you sure? So you want to know what was on on a Saturday, do you? Oh, no, no. Friday. Go with the... Right, we'll go with the Friday the 6th of Jan. Yeah. I can't believe you're getting sniffy with me because I can't get a day exact. No, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, God. Select a region. Northwest. Okay. Thank you. What's going on? What's, what's going on what's here? What's going on here? There is no schedule available for this date. Day before. Oh, God. Northwest. How have you chosen a date that... No, this is... 
<laughs> right, I'm going to tell you what. You never got to that bloody album. You went on about 1983 and we didn't get there. Well, I was trying to get there and then you came up with this revisionist historical approach to reinstate the Pope or whatever. Anyway, ah, that. Ah, lovely. There it there is. There we go. What I was leading to is one of the cartoons I personally liked was uh, was Henry's Cat. five to six? It wasn't on at five to six. However... Right, so Henry's cat from the from the wonderful Bob Godfrey, who of course came up with rhubarb. But what I love about this, right, is can you remember this in any particular detail? Do, 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 do. That series two. Oh, ah, yeah, we know. Series two was ten minute episodes. The series one was only five minutes, not a different, more plodding theme tune. But what I love about it is that Bob Godfrey, not only, of course, like with Rhubarb, he's done all the animation and all that sort of thing, but he also narrates it. Oh, the narration is what I remember really well. It's kind of like that, isn't he? That's it. He's yeah. probably the worst narrator of an animation oh, in the world. Really? For, for a cartoon, I think he's brilliant. I, I, that, that lovely style. Well, but he can't really do character voices, and that's why what I love yeah, about I this. Henry's cat is vaguely Birmingham and just sounds really pissed off all the time. Chris Rabbit, don't know what that's meant to be. All of these characters, but really the fact that you've got this depressed Birmingham cat sort of just moaning. Yeah, oh, that's it. That was the character, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know about that. It's that, yeah. It yeah. sounds so, yeah. Oh, my mother hated this programme. So uh, I'm not that good... big a fan. I'm, I'm a bigger fan of rhubarb, obviously. Oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. But there was never a rhubarb LP. No. Do you that horrible techno track with it? Well, I don't approve of that. It was like... <laughs> oh, no. No, we oh, don't I... need that. But we, you know, what we need is less of that and more of that. There's the label. Ah, there, there it is. There it is. A bit that. of pop there on there for you. Oh, you've, you've no idea what happens when I watch that spin. I um, can imagine the robe uh, comes in handy. So, yeah, that's a very lovely thing. And what was it? It's two quid. That's and it's, just... I'd have it, sent the man five. Oh, I, I didn't. But it's... And it's Nor lovely. The quality is... Lo it's, it's got that... You know, it's it's 80s vinyl. It's like a wobble board. Um, but... 60... Uh, oh, no. What were the... Uh, four. Yeah, they were very... It was to do with the oil strike someone was telling me the other day. Really? Yeah, there was something they were on about, and they said, because I was querying about, you know how people are asked about serial numbers and stuff? Mm. What's up with you? <laughs> Nothing. Sorry. I see. <laughs> so I am. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I was, uh, I, was, I, was, I was quizzing him yeah. about... Um, why why are people so asked about serial numbers and getting this pressing of an album and blah, 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 blah. And he said, there's mixes, there's this, there's that. He said, but the main reason is if you buy an album that was pressed during, you know, the oil crisis or something like that, the, the pressing's absolute dog shit because mm. they minimised the amount of uh, vinyl they would use. Right. So it was like, ah, that makes sense. That does make that sense. sense. Okay. Um, and yeah. to be fair, though, my my Henry's cat is in pretty good condition. It's just got that sort of, you know, that lovely sparkle sound that just about every vinyl gets. I don't mind that at all. You know, no, I, I bought, don't. I, I bought this Joy of a Tie this week and it was uh, 20 quid because it's uh, some repressing or other. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, in the description, he's like, 
blah 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 still sealed uh, not the greatest pressing bit of a crackle here and there and I'm thinking do I pay 373 for the original from 1969 or I don't mind a bit of crackle don't bother no, me no I don't not I don't in the slightest no. well dear boy yes so should we talk with... about the nice things you have got well there's one thing I forgot from my sort of excavation of the books last week oh, okay. which is this when when I was a thirteen year old child, I bought this with my pocket money. <laughs> did I you? know. I did. Look at that, two ninety five still on the back. Oh lovely. The tree and shrubbery. The expert. tree and shrub expert, Dr. D. G. Hessian. He wrote a number of these. You can get like vegetable experts and stuff like that. But I still know um, you know, I still know the Latin names for trees, thanks to this. Pseudoplatinus and all that. Mm. Um, yeah, nice. Anyway, yes, I that is nice. That. That's uh, a very nice thing. An indication got. of a misspent youth. Yes. Um, other people are out buying Nick Kershaw albums, and I'm having a bit of D- a Dr. D.G. Hessian. No, I'm nothing wrong with a spot of the old Hessian. Lovely. So you got yeah. that. What else? What I got that. Got so, this week. A number of things, and I've probably oh. forgotten half of them. But yeah. I'm going to go through what I've got. So. Um, David Benson's constantly going on about Sam Johnson, mm. Samuel Johnson, and he really recommended Boswell's Life of Samuel Johnson, oh, which lovely. you can get for about thirteen p on uh, on eBay and Amazon and stuff like that. It's a lovely copy as well. So that's going on the winter reading pile. Um, <coughs> apparently, you go from this and then you graduate to the Samuel Johnson essays, which are amazing. He read, I mean, David's learned a load of them off by art, which is just wow. Good God. You know what I mean? Um, and this is beautiful, and you need to own one. I do. Peter oh. Bowles, Behind the Curtain, The Job of Acting. Oh. It's so bold. nicely put together. 98 pages, I think you counted it out. That's all it is 98 pages. And. It's just so nicely bound mm. and everything. And, you know, what would you expect from the bounder but a good binding? Well, precisely. And there he is. There's Mr. Bowles. And as you said, there is no way that book can have made a profit. No, he put. it's too much money that's gone into... Oberon Masters are the publisher. Oh. There's just too much care and attention gone into it. Mm. Um, I'm just... And it's... I'm just so looking forward to hearing Bowles' interpretation of this thing we do. I think um, that's lovely. I, I do think you need to get hold of Barkworth, Peter Barkworth's. Um, okay. He did two. He did About Acting, and then his second one, which is More About Acting. And it's it's an interesting one, because it's like he's trying to talk about the method, and you know, and just be really inspirational, but he can't hold back from being this dreadful gossip, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> like, nah, have that anecdote. It's <sighs> lovely. And then he gives up on trying to be inspirational, and it's just anecdote from that point. Oh, it's, it's lovely. So the second oh, book yeah. follows exactly the same thing. It's like he went, now, come on, Peter. You've got to concentrate on this. We'll actually talk about the job of acting. I will, I will, oh, I will. Okay. Give me a go. Oh, but I remember. Where, and off he goes again. Oh, they're lovely books. Oh, they're man, lovely. He always came across as just a thoroughly decent chap. Oh, Mr. yes. Mr. Barkworth. Absolutely. Um... I, I hope that was the case. It can't not be the case. I think he was, from what I know. I think he lived alone, as many gentlemen of that age did. Did he really? Yes, he did. That surprises uh, me. Well, I think he's from a time, isn't he, where my, my presumption is that Barkworth was gay. 
Uh, you oh, know, we're right. talking about a time when, well, we all know what happened to Wilfred Bramble. Uh, you know, it wasn't a time when one could do that. So he lived alone in a very nice house, somewhere like Wimbledon Common or something. But then very I, nice house. It's strange, though, isn't it? Because you had people like Noel Coward who were very openly gay, you know, in the 1920s. It's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? But it, but then there's open and open. I mean, I imagine I mean, they were within, open within enough within so that, you knew. It's within that world as well he was That's open. the thing. It's within yeah. that world. And, you know, that's why we have polari and things yeah. isn't it to keep yeah. that world enclosed yeah. um but yeah lived lived in a very nice house and watched a lot of cricket and seemed to have a very nice time and Lovely just do chat. an awful lot of guest roles and things which he is phenomenally good ah at. man I'm, I'm still plowing through those thrillers mm. uh and then the other night i thought I'll, I'll in fact it was friday night i don't know when it was maybe anyway i had a, a little bit of time i was like right i'm well i didn't but You've got no. to make time sometimes, <laughs> you haven't you? Yes. And I was like, I'm going to have the evening off. Um, I decided um, to chuck the old Hammer House of Horror on. Mm. So um, I'd done Witching Time. Yep. And then I sat through, I think maybe two more, I'm not sure. No, I sat through one more. And then one came on that I've... I don't know. I must have known it was a Hammer House of Horror. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't expecting it to turn up. It was weird because, you know, you've got these fragmentary memories. Uh, and then as you get older and mm. because stuff's available, it's like, OK, that was an amicus. That was a hammer. That was mm. a telly thing. And you can instead of them being one sort of amorphous thing, you can fathom out what fits in, in which sort of canon. So I found up popped Denim Elliott in rude awakening and that episode led to the worst nightmares i've ever had in my life because the, the episode is he just keeps waking up and it's a different day and a different uh -huh. day i'm not going to go into great detail but i could but i shan't well but, you know that that mem that dream he has in it have you watched it well, I watched it this morning because you told me about it. So I have watched it obviously, on, a, on a very bright, sunny Sunday morning. So maybe it hasn't had the same effect. Well, this but... was. So, you you know, you go on about the psychogeography and stuff mm. like that. This was a dark Friday night it was watched. Light of the fire, light of the telly, corduroy sweet, the, the full 70s hit. Mm. Wow. I'm telling you. And the nightmares that I had back then when I was six or seven in 1980 um, no I would have been seven seven or eight um, th there are echoes and elements from those nightmares I had then that still come back now and it made me think it was just like you know maybe sometimes we should stop kids watching this shit well I can't I watch know. it with, with my modern viewpoint I st I'm straight I was straight back to being a kid again well, do you know what? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, so I watched it. Um, the immediate things that sprang to mind, the first thing is this. Is it for the Americans that at the beginning you've got a coming up on Hammer House of Horror and you've got like, lots of little clips, or is it just that episode? I don't know. I don't... Rec I think... I think I was just so sort of traumatised. Ah. Not really traumatised, but transported to that trauma. Well, I, no, that's fair I enough. forgot there was a coming up bit at the beginning. Yeah, so they actually show you a best of bit. So next time I must sort of skip past that at the beginning and straight okay. into the titles. Denim Elliott. Now then. 
I love Denim Elliott, but the thing is, I've never sort of gone, oh, I must collect things with Denim Elliott in, because I don't think you need to, because he's got this vast back catalogue of stuff. You don't, it's impossible to miss Denim Elliott. He's in everything at some point. There was a wonderful old Radio 4 sketch show called Dial M for Pizza, and they once did a piss take of something like Remains of the Day, you know, the old uh, Merchant Ivory films. And the punchline to each scene was, good God, it's Denim Elliott, as in he'd walk. So he was just everywhere, as I remember, where, you know, in the 80s, certainly. He was absolutely everywhere until he's he died. Ac- he's accenty in this, though, have you noticed? He is accenty. And mm. he's playing it a bit interesting and a bit rough. But when I watched it, um, I think it's incredibly well written, that one. It's, I think it's, yeah. It's very well written, so straight away I'm like, who wrote this? Okay. Gerald Savory. Oh, now, right. Now, straight away in my head, I made an incorrect leap. I went, oh, Ronnie Barker, Ronnie Barker's pen name, and it's not. Mm. Gerald Savory was a BBC producer from the earliest days. You know, That's he right, was yeah. right there at the well, beginning. Well, he's thingy. He's thingy. Oh, man. Um, do you remember that thing I dug up out of that university library? Isn't he involved with the brothers? Yes, yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. Ah, ah, I know what it is. Go it's on. um the Churchill thing, Churchill's people. Churchill's people. That's him. That's his last job. It was so poorly received. So do you remember that, that thing I dug up out of yeah. that library? That's right, yeah, that we haven't got yet. And it goes on about Savory and all the errors that mm-hmm. he made on that series that led mm-hmm. to his dismissal. That's it. But here we are, so that was 75 he would have been dismissed. Here we are five years later, and he's writing Hammer House of Horror. But You read about him, and he had this wonderful life that so many people did, right? So he's born born in 1909, lived till 1996, Um, worked as a stockbroker's clerk, and then decided he didn't want to do that, and went to the stage joining Whole Repertory Theatre Company in 1931. And he wrote a play called George and Margaret. That's right, that's where we came in the other month. There you go, that's the man who we've just been watching there. Yes. Um, but oh, absolutely lovely stuff. Um, I always appreciate a, a naked lady in a phone box as well. Oh, ah. There was She's a lot of that about. as well. Uh, but isn't she brilliant playing yeah, all these yeah, different yeah, yeah. variations of oh, the character? Yeah. She's stunning. That's an acting masterclass. It was a brilliant episode. Brilliant episode. I it loved it. It is fantastic, isn't it? I, and, and in my head, I still have... The waking up, the body in the dumb waiter, the demolition, mm. the wrecking ball, whatever you call it. I've still got all of that in my head. The sequences with the wrecking ball. So he's trapped in the, and they're bringing the wrecking How ball. How good in. is all the wreckage landing on him, all the rubble? It's brilliant. And there's a lovely bit where there's sort of like a boof of wreckage coming up the stairs at yeah. him. And I, I had a. I watched it a couple of times, and I noticed they've got three cameras on that, so they can use the same sequence, but they're angled so well, it looks like it's three different explosions. It's the same explosion. I actually tracked a piece of debris, because oh, I do that to Oh, yeah, well, I mean, that's that's you all over, and this is. Is, why, uh, this is why we love your insight. Yeah, but, oh, it was lovely. It's the scale as well, a hammer, isn't it? So it was weird going back. I, I went back to thrillers uh, after mm. it. It was weird going back to them, because it's mainly studio-bound VT. That's it. But there's a lot of scale. Hammer House of Horror feels, it's 4-3, but it feels in its frame in cinematic. I mean, when they get to the site that's being demolished, the flats, did you notice the overhead shot from obviously the top of a block of flats with the 
the Ford Escort uh, mm-hmm. estate carrying them turns yes. up. There's a lot of scale, isn't there, with it? So much. It's shot like a film. I know the one I watched before it. It's about a. It's. I tell you what's different to Thriller. Yeah. In Thriller, the the bad guy gets his comeuppance, and the nice people are all all right, and you feel safe with a Thriller. Yes. But in a Hammer House of Horror, it can go either way. Mm. The nice people could get a bloody meat cleaver between the eyes, you know. It's and then it's like doom boom. You're like what? Yeah. That's oh it. yes. Oh, it's wonderful stuff. Yeah, it? it's very good. Um, I mean, mm. I've got, um, I've skipped over the house that bled to death. Have you? Yeah, I've seen it too many times. I've only seen that once, so I am going to watch that. It's Janet Fielding's in it, as well as I recall. Oh yeah, maybe oh. I will watch it actually. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and I love Nicholas Ball. Mm. I'll tell you who's great in uh, *Rude Awakening*: John Lochran. Mm. The New Zealand uh, actor. Well, you wouldn't know he was New Zealand. No. But he, he's got the, a very, very expressive face. There's something about him. He's attractive, isn't he? But he's also, like, ugly. He, he can sort of be both at the same time. Yeah, ugly, attractive, absolutely. I mean, yeah, his, his, yeah. everything's there on his face. It just maybe is all different sizes or something like that. I'm not But quite when he sure. turns up at the end and he's now playing it straight. Yeah. You're like, fuck me. That's brilliant, man. It's brilliant. Him, in fact, all three, uh, him, the wife, the secretary, they all do it. You know, yeah. it, it's just its just lovely, proper acting. Rehearsed acting by actors who probably all did rep, I would but guess. But Denham has gravitas. He really, oh God. he really does. I mean, the thing that gets me, we won't go on about the signalman because mm-hmm. we'd be here all day yeah. talking about how he learned his lines or didn't or, you know, etc. Um mm. But there's only, like, four years between The Signalman and this. Mm. You know what I mean? And I've seen him in something from the mid-'80s looking like he did in The Signalman. But yeah. he looks older and paunchier and blah-blah in this. It's like, mm. yeah. Well, I wonder Bit if... Bit of a comedian. Would... Yeah, absolutely. But it, But it's subtle, isn't it? Because... It's not like he does a great big character job. It's not like you end up going, good God, it was Denham Elliott all the time, like yeah. they used to on Dial yeah, for yeah, Pizza. Yeah. You you know it's him, the voice is there, the face is there, but it's the subtleties of what he's doing to, to find and form a character. I think what you've got is someone who really thinks about the character's journey and, and works back, right, these are the given circumstances, what I've got in the script. Okay, so... What happened to me immediately before that? What are all the circumstances that have led through my mm. life to this point? And if you do that, then you're playing a real character, aren't I you? I suspect it's that. I think that's why he's got so much commonality with Robert Stevens. Oh. I think that it's a very similar approach to mm. uh, the role, really. <coughs> but, um, yeah, there was a point I was going to make there when you were about... <coughs> well, I think that, again that you've got people who were brought up in theatre and, and in the days when you would be learning one script whilst rehearsing another script and doing a performance of a different script in the evening. So because of that, you you build up this bank of characters yeah. and you can just magpie it. I'll have a bit of that one, bit of that one, bit of that one. There's this character. Because you've got that vast knowledge of characters you've played that you can I'm draw on people, you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I've always got my eyes open for mannerisms. I was unconsciously doing it um, until I sort of 
realised I was doing it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Picking up on people's mannerisms and almost making a collage, which mm. becomes your own mannerism from unconsciously mm. copying others. Have you seen Nothing But The Best with Denim Elliott and Alan Bates, 1967? Clive no, Donner. I haven't. Brilliant. Alan Bates is kind of like this uh, East End boy, I think. Mm. But he's determined to, you know, rise up the ranks. Yeah. Uh, but he keeps getting found out because he doesn't have the education, he doesn't have the manners, he doesn't have, you know, he'll smoke a cigar with a band on, little things he doesn't know. Mm. And then he encounters this complete sort of down-and-out alcoholic wreck, Denim Elliott, who uh. did have the education, who was, you know, brought up in the elite circles and stuff. And he sort of uses him as asking him questions and how would I do this and if I was going to this and so he sort of morphs into and um Denim Elliott's character as such not not the alcoholic aspect of it yeah. but he becomes someone who had this education he learns from him it's a very interesting film mm. very very interesting film I remember it from being a kid the only bit I remember is the beginning opens with a, a taxi going round London a taxi cab when was this shot 68 Oh. 67, 68, but it's Cli um, Clive Donner, Richard Donner, is that right? Yes. His brother? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's Clive Black Donner. Black and white or colour, dear? Colour. Oh, vibrant. 85 minutes. Oh. It's a great, it's just a great film, but it's okay. one of those films that uh, people don't really know about for some strange yeah. reason. There's a couple of Stanley Baker ones like that mid-70s, which are really intriguing and great. Mm. Uh, and Connery did the same sort of thing, you know, just nice... Nice little films. Yeah, yeah. Venue, you need to could... get onto a bit of the. If you want Stanley Baker, you need to get onto the old How Green Was My Valley. Oh, oh yeah, I'm onto that. Lovely of stuff. Him and Charm. Hell Drivers. Road. Have you seen Hell Drivers? Hell Drivers is magnificent. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good film. Have you seen Everybody the who should be in it is in it. They are it's, in it. It's just missing a Robert Hardy. That's all. Oh, a bit early for old Bob in it, though. You oh, know. yeah, but you'd have got subtle Robert doing a character. Last night I watched the thriller, and um, apart from the rest of the people in it who were great, but Sidney Taffler was in it. Oh. I love Sidney Taffler so much. Sid James' best mate in real life. Really? Yeah. How good's that? That is good. Yeah. I like that. Um, I like yeah. that. What was the Playing other thing American, you got? And he's brilliant at being American. Yeah, you've got uh, something else. The other things, yeah, I got a couple of things. So, uh, for some reason, mm. and prior to a conversation with you that I wish I'd had earlier, I decided I wanted Carry On Behind on Blu-ray. Right. It's a continuation of the Windsor Davis thing. Yeah. I don't have any carry-ons. I used to have them all on VHS, and those video collection VHSs in Woolworths that were kind of oh. released on a monthly basis were, you know, brought me so much joy. Mm. That I but still the tape saw. quality was crap. The tape quality was crap, and I think they got someone like Peter Goodwin or someone to do all the. Do you know what I mean? There was a trail at the beginning of each video with like the compilation of clips, and it'd go on and on. And it was like the Windsor Davis was particularly lamentable. It, it ended with so carry on. You know it makes it was better than he did it. It was terrible. Anyway, yeah. it's probably on YouTube. Anyway, so there's a sort of love I have for that. Um, so I decided to buy some anyway I thought oh it's not on Blu-ray I'll get a DVD I'm not paying that for a DVD eBay sure there'll be lots of cheap ones on eBay and lo and behold there was so I got Carry On Behind which is delightful 
and I'll enjoy that. There's something very 1975 about this that the Likely Lads film has as well. There's something about the colour, the washed outness of the film print. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Uh, there's the scenes with uh, Bernie and um, John Sims and Patsy Rowlands um, in the caravan, which are really good. And uh, there's something very 1975 about it. And then it expands, doesn't it? Because they say, oh, buy, buy two, get 10% off. Oh, okay. Oh. So I bought two. Carry on, no, Dick. Which is are. which is always good for a little glimpse of Babs's Bristol's. When well, she, it is, and and also she, for Margaret Nolan. Oh, well, I like Margaret Nolan. I I've like got a wonderful Margaret picture. An awful lot. Oh, I've got a lovely picture of her and Bernard stood next to each other. You know, when when they're held up and they're both covering themselves up with their hats. Yes. Got that still, but then I've also got a reverse shot. I must show you. You will have seen it. Uh, the the photographer's now behind them, so they're, they're sort of like, she's got her knickers on, but Bernard's gone, nope, arse out. Oh, Bernard will be bollocko. Oh, he absolutely was, looking over their shoulders, and then you just see the whole crew there as well. He's got, oh, to have been in that crew. You know that Bernard Breslau put a comedy record out in the late 50s or something? You know, Max, how he had that mm. colossal hit with You Need Hands, mm. and Bernie put out You Need Feet. <laughs> Which is a cracker. Um, probably a George Martin as well, if you look into it. Mm. And then, of course, it expands. Carry On Abroad had to be bought. Well, obviously. I thought, well, I'll cherry pick. Mm. You know, again, it's back to that sort of, uh, you know, the the sort of ephemera around stuff, you know. Uh, and that explains the last one, Carry On Up the Jungle. Um, because that is, you know, the veg being peeled onto newspaper on a Sunday afternoon. Sunday dinners cooking, carry on up the jungle on ITV, mm. etc. So there's there's ad breaks so you can, you know, pop out. Which is always nice. Um so anyway, I bought them. I yep. thought they were nine pound eighty or summer. I was like feeling quite pleased with that. And then you informed me you'd got the entire collection and it takes up less shelf space. Yeah. For about twenty odd quid. About that big it is. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Mm. Everything. These apart are going to end up in the bloody art foundation shop with Army Doctor. Someone's obviously got rid of all the Doctor Who collection recently. They're all in sex. Oh, like, are they? it's like HMV. You know? Right, I see. Oh, yes. No, I gave mine away. I think selling them is beneath me. No, 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 that's fair enough. So no, I'm going to have to you, find that now. Yeah, no, you've got one other thing that I'm rather interested Ooh. in, though. Yes, now Before then. that, I got this. Oh, okay, yes, that as well. That's lovely. Eight quid. Where's I know what you're dying to get at. Get the vase out. All right, I was in the um, the British Art Foundation doing my charity shop troll, as I do every week. That's my, Absolutely. Little, uh, my little thing I enjoy doing. Yeah. And I saw a great sign in the British Art Foundation when I was looking at the knickknacks. And it just said, too high, don't try. And I thought, wow, if only <laughs> someone had told me that when I was 20. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I got this objet d'art, which I don't know. It, it looked like some, like, I don't know, a chumbly or something. Um, it just intrigued me. I used to have a jumper that looked exactly like that. I suppose that's what first intrigued me. And then because of the little hole here in that, it's got like a little face, hasn't it? Yeah. So it could be something like, you know, in a cartoon when we were kids that had shout at you. It could be. But um, I had to, I, I simply had to have it. Hmm. Um, it's like 249 or something. But um, since I, I chucked it on the old Facebook, with, um, you know, my usual sort of fireside hippie musings on what it represents. It's a totem yeah. for 
doing what you should with life. Yeah. Um, and then somebody's two people actually have pointed out it's a Bulgarian wine thing or a booze pouring implement. I'm not quite right. sure what the whole. It can't be a bong. Well, how many holes has it got? <laughs> Just breathed in forty years of dust, dear. <laughs> um, how many holes has it got? Yeah. <laughs> what two? So, so what? No, along the ridge there, are they not, not holes in? All the hoops. Ah, oh, right now then, you see, because originally, <laughs> yeah, originally when you sent me a photograph, yes, I thought it was a lot bigger than that. Right. Oh, no. no so I did have a theory bigger. that the hoops were for you know, so you could put it uh, on something, and then a, a group of gentlemen could stand around and all insert into it. And I thought that maybe then it would link nicely to your, you know, your sperm vase from last week. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. a sort of a carnal museum. Exactly, In yeah. In ceramic for, and glass. Yeah, for, for gentlemen who went to Eton, presumably, young chaps. Well, you know, I wouldn't have anything sexual in my house, Paul. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with that sort of well, thing. Stop by wanking vessels, then. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. Uh, no, it's a Bulgarian booze thing. Mm. Uh, and it comes with, like, nine little cups for the gentleman mm -hmm. you mentioned. Yes. They've uh, they, they've got to put the old fella away and sup up. <laughs> Um, but no, I just found it rather charming. No, it um, is. It's very nice. And I, and again, like uh, we were talking about before, its beauty transcends its utility. Absolutely, it does look like something that would be animated. That's what I mean. It's like a yeah, little and, thing in it, and appear as in one of those five-minute cartoons. Yes, from Czechoslovakian. That's the sort of thing. Yeah, I used to like them when they used to come on. I was terrified of them. Yeah, we've discussed this before. Moral yeah, Stansinger and all no, that. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, that was scurry. That was proper scurry. That was proper scurry. Although, um, here's the thing. Uh, even though they're not doing... They, they never did an LP release of Rhubarb, there is going to be a Blu-ray release. They're getting the, all the old films out. It's Stuart Manning again. It's fabulous films. Oh, right. And they're remastering Rhubarb. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to have that. They've done a great uh, radio documentary, haven't they? Doctor Who 60 as well. They have, yeah. They um, That's coming up. Which Mr. Lato promises us is going to feature a lot of clips we've never heard. He does lines. indeed. And, and one set of clips that we won't be hearing is from the very first episode of Doctor Who, which is this. now being banned. Nice segue, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is nuts. This is mad. Like, literally nuts. Yeah, completely mental. So, um, all right, why don't you talk us through it? Because All I'm, right, I'll try I, and I know contextualize the bits this. that you've sent me. Right, so to give you some context, it's, it's a tricky one, this. So, Doctor Who is a program that is dreamt up by committee, right? You can track it back and discover that originally there was a report uh, run by the BBC. Uh, oh, can we do anything to do with sci-fi sort of thing? Should we do adaptations of H.G. Wells? That sort of thing. Right. And then eventually that report led to, yes, there is an interest in this sort of thing. So maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. And it's passed from person to person to person to person. Eventually it gets to Sidney Newman, who comes up with some key ingredients, but then so do other people like C.E. Weber all these names who contribute and eventually they've got the concept of Doctor Who and then you just need a staff writer now writers in those days at the BBC are all freelancers right? This is where the problem comes. Right off. So for a freelancer's work even after they've died you have to have permission, 
okay, if you wish to do anything with it. Not anything. So, you could still show that program on BBC One. Nobody could say anything. Right. And that's because that's what the original contract stated. It was for transmission on BBC One. Yeah. Fair enough. Or on the on BBC television. But they didn't know about streaming in 1963. No. So we come back to this year. And the big plan is they're going to put every episode of Doctor Who on iPlayer. So it's accessible. You know, 800 episodes free on iPlayer. Apart from the first four. Now the issue here is... The writer of the episodes, Anthony Coburn, he's well dead. He died in the 70s. Yeah. So the rights to his work now sit with his son, Steph. And this is where it gets a little complicated, doesn't it? Mm. So Steph Coburn seems to have two issues with the BBC. One is that um, they he's, he says the BBC murdered his father or killed his father. Mm. Right. Now... I don't know if that's quite right. Um, What's this claim? Stress, overwork? Stress and overwork. Now, um, there's an interesting thing from, I think, when Anthony Coburn died, and it was Innes Lloyd, who was head of drama at the time, I was saying, who was saying, you know, we were all so hopeful that uh, he'd get through this heart condition. We all knew there was a heart condition, and he right. seemed to be doing really well, but in the end, it got the better of him. Late 40s, I think he was. Wow. So that sort of thing can happen. You know, yeah, um, and he's midway through working on uh, a TV series that he's producing. So he's moved from writing scripts. He's now producing scripts, and you'd think that if he's still working for the BBC, he must be quite happy about the terms and conditions of his work. You'd think, wouldn't you? Well, you um, assume so, yeah. So he produced um, the Oneidan Line, for example, when it started. Love that. Perfect. in line. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. But uh, then, so he goes from uh, producing the Oneidan line, I think maybe it was the pilot. Then he goes from that and he produces Poldark. It's like, whoa. Wow. This is a man who's being given the good stuff. You know, so he... I don't think this chap would have taken too kindly to being asked to leave mm. this job. This is, sounds like a proper high flyer. Oh, absolutely. So he does series one of Poldark. The ratings are monumental. Right. Then he's working on series two of Poldark. And then heart attack. And he dies um, whilst he's midway through producing it. Yeah, he's got um, a harness, which you, I'm guessing a chap like that would be... You're not going to stop working at that level no. if you are at that level. No, if you've got Poldark. Good. Yeah, but if you've got Poldark, you're going to keep doing Poldark. Oh, yeah. Uh... Steph, however, believes that the BBC killed uh, his dad. That's what he's stated. Um, and because the rights to the first four episodes of Doctor Who now sit with him, um, he won't release them. So, so when you first told me this, my initial thought was, that's our bollocks. Yeah, mine was. But now you've explained it, I see. Because it's not on iPlayer, is it? Everything else is on there, is that correct? Everything else will be on the 1st of November, but those right. first four won't. Um, he was offered uh, £20,000 for... which, And you think, well, we're talking about a TV show made 60 years ago, and you didn't write it. So if someone goes, 20000 you'd probably also, go, yes. You're also talking about a global brand, which is now owned by Disney, and... Mm. I mean, what's the valuation on Doctor Who? I have no idea. You know? Well, Doctor Who, it's spin-offs, it's archives, Christ knows. 
Well, it's about it's to go absolutely huge, like, monstrously huge, though. Oh, it is. It absolutely and, is. And uh, you can imagine a chap like that. I mean, I'm not saying I don't know him. I've no idea. No. Uh, but let's just say let's let's not talk about him. Let's talk about someone who might be a little more unscrupulous. Um, would think, woohoo, payday. Well, you know, I've got absolutely because it's the first story. It's not like it's the Stones of Blood. No, or, exactly. Or it's the first like one, and but he's also a little bit nutty, is he not? Well, because the threat is that if anything happens to me, quote, yes, um, then I've bequeathed the episode, uh, the intellectual properties of the episode, to an enemy of the BBC, quote, and everyone was a bit like. This sounds a bit mad. Um, and then in a subsequent tweet, or whatever it's called, uh, he said he'd bequeath them to the Russian Federation. <laughs> wow. So good luck, the BBC, um, contacting Mr Putin and saying, I know we're basically at war, but can we show the tribe of gum? Um, yeah. So it is a bit mad, this one, mate. Yeah. I, I mean, from those bits you've sent me, and then you sent me the thing with Ian Levine as well. Mm. So that's like oh, fire and oil or something meeting, isn't oh, it? Absolutely, yeah. You know. So, yeah, it's a bit strange, this one. Um, so the upshot is it's not going to be on iPlayer. Apparently nope. now, when they do the season one box set... He's got I, to I was agree. Just checking, I've, I kept told him he lost in time, and, and I have. Sorry, the yeah, no, he's got to agree. Um, so currently, uh, you can watch it on BritBox for some reason. I don't understand at the moment, but my previous assumption, deal perhaps isn't BritBox could, ITV. It's ITV and BBC majority share is ITV. Oh well, he'd probably be all right with that. Probably be all right there, but come the first of November, they all go off BritBox and just onto iPlayer, and all of a sudden. You've got a missing episode, or four new missing episodes of this TV show. Um, it's kind of mad, isn't it? They need Gaza to go down there with a fishing rod and a chicken. I think they do. Do a, do the old Royal Mo Royal Moat on him. That's it's what's needed. It's easy for you to say, dear. <laughs> it did, didn't it? Um, <laughs> so if you want to watch that first one, you better get the DVD quick. However, what then happened? And this DVD came out in two thousand and eight or something. That and one I got uh, the beginning. That one, right? So they've got loads of them in Amazon because the BBC make load. Not anymore, they haven't. Because for two days, that was the number one best-selling DVD on Amazon UK. And now Holy it's sold out. Shit. So they're going to be gone. popping up for more money. I mean, come on. Yeah. Silly money time. Fuck and yeah. do you know what? I wish I bought a new copy. Nine quid. Nah, you're not that. You don't want to be that guy. Mm. Nah, man. Nah, nah, nah. I wouldn't. It's too, it's too seedy and grabby. All right, then. Well, what about this? If, can I ask your opinion? I've got a book here, um, which I haven't opened yet, right? Because I ordered a second copy of something by mistake. I think, ooh, I can't quite understand how. That's but fine, because there is no connivance. Of there is not at all. Involved. I was on the website, and it was, well, who have I ordered this? No, Maybe that's, perfect. that's perfectly fine. So that's allowed to be sold that's off. That's allowed. But the, the, when you start being devious and stuff like that, it's like, oh, no. no that I had a mate years ago, right, bought, mm. and it, it couldn't be more anathema to him. He bought um, Elton John tickets. 
with the express purpose of fleecing people on eBay with them. And at the time I was like, no. Um, and then he didn't even get face value for him. Oh. So it was just like, I don't wish you any ill, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I think that's poetic justice really when people do stuff like that. I think to be fair, if you're going to get anything Elton John related, you should expect it to just be dreadful because dreadful. he's awful. He's awful. 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 Yeah, yeah no, not for me. Though those first couple of albums are shit hot. No. Oh, they are. No, 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 no. It's no, when I he can't. went from being like, I'm a closer, tiny dance. You know, when he sang like that. I know, but not your cup of tea, but I like it, right? Oh, no, and, it's just... And then he disappeared, didn't he? And now it's all... Good. Exactly. It's like, why are you singing like that now? Well, why was he singing like that then? There's no he excuse didn't do for the either of the extremes. Bollocks. He didn't do the Vic Reeves thing then. No, no, no. But the original stuff where he's being all, you know, grabbing his bollocks so he can go high. I don't approve of that either. I like that, though, don't I? But it sounds like Leo Sayer. All right, then. What about Gabriel? He sings high. That's different, isn't it? Because it's Gabriel. Well, there you go. Indeed. That's just different. Oh, you'll be you'll be there soon. You'll be you'll be buying your Leo Sayers, or Greg. No, I will not be buying any Leo Sayer. Absolutely not with that her. That used to annoy me. That her. Whenever he came on television, that used to get on my tits. That when I was. We used to do that years ago. I don't know if you did similar things. Trying to think of names of famous people you could change to like food related. Mm. So Leo Sayers was obviously Obviously, one. Um, But my favourite was John Barnes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> was in bomb kicks oh Stacy Keach Stacy Keach what Stacy Keach Mike Hammer yeah. ITV 9pm oh, oh no 80s. there you go no. anyway Stacy Keach obviously not as uh, big a hitter as John Barnes no 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 well I, I've heard of that one Exactly, so, but, yeah. but outside of the radius, 30, 10, 5, what? 20 mile radius of where we live, no one calls them balm cakes. Well, nobody does around here or over in the city either. I think it's it's, no. it's really isolated. I it's Lancashire, isn't it? isn't it? I suppose it is. It's sort of like yeah. one of those lovely linguistic... Yeah. They call them uh, bread cakes in Yorkshire. I know. I went to see Half Man Half Biscuit at the Duchess of York in Leeds. Do you remember that venue? Mm, I do. Brilliant. Absolutely Lovely. brilliant. Um, and we went the chippy after and I was like, oh, bread cake. I want a bread cake. I was like, can I have a bread cake, please? What are they? Balm cake. Oh, okay. Uh, not don't excited. like it being called bread cake. I don't. It's not right, is it? It's not right. No, it's it doesn't right. sit right. It doesn't feel right saying it, bread Have you cake. heard this nonsense on the internet, people saying you call the crust on the end of a loaf the heel? No. No? no. Why would you do that? That's not no. what it's called. Tell you what we have around here. Bin lid balms. Oh, yeah. Big oh. buggers. Yeah. Lovely. But not the heel. No, not the heel. You feel the heel on my boot, boy. No, start, I don't approve start of with that, that part. Of I don't like that. Don't like that at all. So you were telling me before that mm. um, we've lost a couple of quite famous faces this week. I mean, the one that I, I can't believe you don't know. It's Sir Bobby Charlton. Bobby no. Charlton. Right. As uh, Thingy Sawala says in The Sweeney. Nadim Sawala. 
Yes. Right. Yeah. It's a great Sweeney episode. We've discussed it before, and he's on about Bobby Charlton. Yes. Right. No, I've been thinking. So he was the footballer. He was a footballer. There we go. He he was uh, part of our 1966 World Cup winning squad with his brother Jackie, and um, and you know he was he was quite uh, good at kicking the old ball there, Paul. So no. is my dog. So he was a miner. Him and his brother Jackie Charlton were miners. Uh, oh, okay. Who, proper uh, job. Proper job. Right. Um, and they managed just by sheer talent and hard work to become two of the most famous footballers in the world. He was a legend, and I, I say that as a Liverpool fan, you know. Bobby Charlton was a legend. Good. Uh, who did he play for? Man U and England. Okay, good. Anyway, he's a big deal. He's and he was very good at dealy. it. Okay. He was very good at it, but he also did all sorts of other stuff. Like, he was a TV presenter and stuff like that. So did he score the, the one where, you know, kind of thing he ended up saying, there's people on the pitch, they think it's all over, it is now. He might did have he... done. Well, who scored that one? Because was that I the winning bloody one? Know. It was the winning one, but I don't bloody know. Was it him? Was it Jackie, Bobby Charlton? Probably. Oh, well, fair enough then. There you go. He also did a fine line in comb-overs. And oh, in that yeah, World I'm Cup noticed... final, you see yeah. it stood on end. It's brilliant. Yeah. Proper comb-overs. I miss yeah. those. Yeah. The best so... one, the chap who takes the thinning crown has got to be Ralph Coates. He used to play for Burnley early 70s. Right. Obviously. Oh, know. if you saw him. He's a delight. He's yeah. a treat. That comb-over is bang on. Mm. And you did get some belters back then. The fella oh, off uh, Pebble Mill. Ones. Angus something or other. No, not him. Or was it him? He was a big, big Scottish bugger, wasn't he? Yeah, it weren't him. Wore it was a guy suits. with a no, proper ginger. good comb over. And that was ginger as well. Anyway, comb over. Did overs. Frank Boff had a bit, have a bit of a comb over? I think he did. Sort of just tilting. Yes. Sort of. yeah. Yes. So, Bobby Charlton, I don't know very much about, apart from he was a legend. You don't care. Um, not really. I'm just, I, I, uh, Rest in peace. Um, condolences to your family. You wanted the obituary bit. So my segue, not as good as your Steph Coburn one, has mm. to be said. But here we are. So here we go. To, I, I don't bother with the uh, Twitters. I don't bother with the telly. I was watching. I had a lovely, lovely, lovely dinner last night, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was accompanied by On the Buses. So I don't know what's going on in the world. I know it's uh, pretty horrible. I mean, well, yeah, there's been two that I think, you know, um, Lara Parker, who you may not know, she was, oh, she's wonderful in Dark Shadows. Right. Love her. Very current for you. Very current for me, working on the damn thing. No, but she's got this lovely, there's a tiny amount, about three minutes of rehearsal footage that exists from it. And you can actually see her getting ready for a scene. And I never heard any of these actors in anything apart from this show. And when she breaks, and I think she's criticising, saying that the auto cue is going too quickly that they had to use. And she's suddenly got this drawl, and I think it's Louisiana sort of drawl nice. to her. And then you listen to her, and all of a sudden I realise every single actor in this is doing brilliant mid-Atlantic. That lovely accent that isn't here, isn't there. Yeah. I adore that accent. That's that's the America of my youth, Mid Atlantic, I think. Space nineteen ninety nine kind of accent. 
I've never watched that in my life. I thought you'd have been into that. Oh, no. No, ITV. Yeah, they're all mid-Atlantic. Yeah. It's it's ATV. It's still ITV. Yeah, I thought you liked ATV. I love ATV, but, you know, proper ATV is made on videotape. And it's not Jerry Anderson. Mm. I have issues with Jerry Anderson. I loved it as a kid. I've never really? watched it since. Yeah. I prefer the live action stuff. I think the puppet stuff's all shit. I, ca- I can't oh, get involved. the puppet stuff can get fucked. It's, it's in, the, it's a, in the same way as I can't get involved in a musical theatre piece because I go, where's the orchestra hiding as you all walk down the road doing whatever that fucking thing is from West Side Story. I hate that one so well, much. It's the theater. same. No. Just no. No, absolutely Just not. No. It's the same problem I have with this. No. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what the problem was now. I, I, but, I had to think. Uh, yeah. Thumb anyway. words and all that bollocks. <clears throat> Total bollocks. I can't get involved with it because at the end of the day, will you, it's a puppet. What's the worst that's going to happen? It's going to catch fire. Ah, but do you remember the new theatre in London? Warhorse. Now that was a puppet, but by God. Yeah, that's different though, isn't it? The Russians. They do pu- they do puppets properly. They do, and they're big, they and they're on stage with people. They're not sort of like titting around in Thunderbird too. Leave me cold, I, all that. Oh, shit. I never liked Thunderbirds. I liked. No. I tell you what, I did like for a, about a fortnight in 1984 mm. or summer was Captain Scarlet because they showed it on Wackaday or something like that. I liked the ding 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 yeah, ding between what scenes. I liked. That was all I liked. Yeah. I hated it. I, I still yeah, hate it, was, it. Do you remember it, yeah. in the eighties when it all had a resurgence? Yeah, and they were selling Tracy Island for stupid money and all. That oh bit. God! And Did Blue, Blue Peter, Peter made a Tracy Island yeah, yeah, and yeah. Thea Turner, and you could write in and get the instructions. Absolutely not! I was no. disgusted. No, though I remember yeah. someone making one, and really? it looked shit. I would have done. It really you did. You the, could the see pieces. the cornflakes boxes, and that kid would have been like, "What?" Yeah. No. No. By the proper not. one. No. Yeah. Um, all right, then. Who else has died, then, seeing as you want to talk about the obits? So Hayden was, Gwynn. Yeah, yeah. Hayden Gwynn. Yeah, she was gorgeous as well. She was she? lovely. Um, I think I've been ever so slightly in love with her since the first series of Drop the Dead Donkey. And, yes. Well, I would have been 1990, that was. Yes, Oh. I'm trying to think what I know her from dramatically, though. What did she do? If you I... look at her IMDb, she's just she's Everything. a she's a denim Elliot. She's just everywhere. She's peppered through television, and she did three series of this or a bit of that, and then right. guest role, guest role, guest role. But mostly theatre. She was um, due to be starting in uh, there's a new Sondheim production in the West End, which has just started in the last couple of weeks, and she was meant to be in the lead there, but. I think it was only at the start of September that she had so they referred to a dramatic change in personal circumstances and she's out. So presumably that was when she found out, just the start of September. Oh um, fabulous actress. Um Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Her. Brilliant. Yeah. Another one you don't notice acting, it's just mm. just being them, aren't they? Well she did uh, Channel 4 did a, a sitcom, The Windsors, basically a piss take on the Royals, and uh, Harry Enfield was Charles, and she played Camilla. Right. And she played, so uh, I think she said she was going to play Camilla as though Camilla was being played by Joan Collins in 1986. And it's 
perfect. Yeah, that's that's someone with some insight in it. Oh, it is absolutely. So yeah, that was a bloody shame. She uh, was only um, sixty-six. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought she was mid-sixties. That's all. Very Nothing sad ever. news, dear. Very yeah, sad news. Tears, tears, There's too much of it about at the moment. Um, yes. So um, I suppose it's going to be a very, 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 oh, very busy couple of weeks now. Mm. And we've got Halloween. So we'll have to get that recorded at some yeah. point. We'll do that. And we've got a big we Halloween thing we're doing. Mm. Uh, That'll be great, so- though. It'd be great. There's a lot to do. What a venue. It's a brilliant venue. There's a lot to do. Yeah. I know. I know. Has that costume list gone off now? Yes. Good. That's gone. That's all done. Good, good, good. Good. Yeah. We're just talking about one. (laughs) Yeah, we are. And I'm glazing over thinking about it. Oh, Uh, no. Yes, anyway, there we go. Right. You know, I'd rather just... No, I wouldn't. I like being busy. Yes. But I do like sitting around watching telly. Well, that's ideal, isn't it? Optimal, mm. I think. That'd be best. Um, right, so we shall have to do some of that. We'll have to fit that in. Yeah, at some point. Anyway. Let, let tomorrow hang, as John Hayes says. Absolutely. As he's unscrewing <laughs> the cork. Um, <laughs> I completely agree. So, yeah, uh, we hope you enjoyed whatever that was. And we hope you all have a lovely week. And until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Nice Things, The Antidote to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.